if God wanted you to be a woman, honey, he'd have made you a woman. God don't make mistakes. My mother said this once. You were in there for nine months. You don't think he could have figured it out? Don't you think God looked at everything and said, this is a man and your sister's a woman? We're bright people here. Let's not get confused. So we're made by God. So God has already chose for us. So why are you trying to override God? Tony Newman grew up in a devout Christian home in the Deep South, where being gay was a sin and being transgender, that was just insanity. You have begun to lose your mind. I mean, you've been controlled by the devil and we're going to have to let you go. If you don't want to get some real serious help and start praying, as I've been praying for 10 years. This is part one of Trans in the Eyes of God a special series from Inspired. For this series, I'm passing the mic to guest host Reverend David Wynn, a Christian pastor in Fort Worth, Texas. He'll take it from here. Tony identifies as transgender. What does that mean? Well, the sex Tony was assigned at birth, male, doesn't match the gender she identifies with. In her case, Tony knew she was a woman. And for many people, gender isn't binary, just male or female. It can also be both or neither. But for some people of faith, gender is binary, and it's fixed at birth. Ideas based on their tradition's core teachings. It's simply not up for debate. Yet we know that new interpretations are emerging, and more and more trans people are living openly. When somebody decides that the gender that everyone perceives them to be is not their real gender. That's a really deep challenge to a religious tradition. And that's not just something that's specific to niche minority religions. In fact, in many religious traditions, these notions of creation and manness and womanness are central to our understandings of who we are. Less than 1% of the population identifies as transgender, but in recent years, the struggle of living openly as a trans youth or adult has come into greater focus. While the use of public accommodations like bathrooms has generated a lot of controversy, less attention has been given to the spiritual lives of transgender individuals. By some counts, more than one-third of religious trans people have left their faith communities out of fear of being rejected, and many of them seek more welcoming places to pray. So those religious institutions that have excluded or ignored transgender people in the past are now grappling with these questions. Do they hold on to traditional conventions or make a space for increasingly visible trans members within their communities? They have to decide whether to change or stay the same. I have a personal stake in all of this because I'm transgender, and I want to meet other trans people of faith who are struggling to square their gender identity with their religious traditions. I want to talk with people from all different backgrounds and beliefs who are asking for new names, new rituals, and new interpretations of scripture. In this series, we're going to be hearing their personal stories, not the institutional doctrine. I'm clearly not neutral here, but I'm not afraid to talk to people who hold different beliefs. I've been doing that my whole life. So let's get back to Tony Newman's story. Growing up, she says she always felt a little different from other kids. 
I was a, a really feminine child, highly scholarly, but very skinny, very effeminate, and new at eight or nine. I was out of the box, and there was something not right. I just didn't have a name for it. I mean, I, I, I was born in the 60s, so, I mean, in the 70s, there was just no representation of, of transgenders on TV. So I didn't know what it was, but I knew I was different, a bird of a different color. Yeah. I, I think I read that you guys were in church a lot when you were a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, brought up in a two-family Christian home, so we attended church for my 18 years, uh, for about four times a week, mm-hmm. sometimes five. So I was uh, very much brought up in a uh, Southern Christian home raised by uh, a Southern woman mm-hmm. and a Southern man. Homosexuality was a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, male-to-male, female-to-female love is an abomination before God. So I heard that regularly. Transgenders were never mentioned. Nobody knew what that was. So, you know, that was my religion. So I grew up hearing that frequently. You know, I knew some cousins who were gay but had moved away. And uh, we we didn't discuss that in my family. That was just, that's just your special cousin. And I'm so sorry for his parents that he, he or she has turned out that way. Thank God that's not in our home. You know, we are praying, religious, God-fearing people. We love the Lord. The, these people didn't go to church. Yeah. They they just ran wild. This is why their children are homosexuals and lesbians, because they were not taught the way of God. And that's what I heard for 18 years. So, you know, when I told them my first step of, after going to Wake Forest, two years as a sophomore, I go home and say, oh, I'm gay. Well, that was kind of a, we know. We've kind of figured that out. And it, 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 it was a blow, but after 10 years of, of them dealing with me and two years in college, they knew. Yeah, I mean, of knows. course. Yeah. So they knew that I was, uh, you know, gay, but the transgender thing, to come back 10 years later and say I'm transgender, what are you saying? I thought you were gay. Now you're taking this thing all about hormones and Mm. body reformation and transitioning. You are now in a psychotic break. You have begun to lose your mind. I mean, you've been controlled by the devil as a homosexual. But I said, I'm not a homosexual. I just said that because that's what I knew. But now I know better. And I'm telling you what I am. And they thought, you just you, you just lost your mind. This is a psychotic break, and we're going to have to let you go. If you don't want to get some real serious help about this and start praying. I said, I've been praying for 10 years. It's, it's went right. nowhere. Yeah. And had you, now you had left the church by then. Um, what, what's your, what's yes, your connection uh-huh. or relationship with the church now? Um, I go. Uh, I go to a church called West Angeles in Los Angeles. Uh, Sometimes I go to the city of refuge in Oakland. I pray. I'm a worshiper. I love the Lord. I'm more of a spiritualist, whether it's a gay church, a regular black church. Um, I don't really invest myself into church. I realize that we're all flawed. I'm not asking you to like me and, and what I've done. Your belief system saying I'm evil. I get that. Right. You've been taught that. I can't change that. Mm-hmm. We could talk all night and cry together. You're still going to think I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. So let's get off of that and say, look, this is what I've decided to do for myself. This is my authentic life. When I, I, I hear them say, oh, my God, you're such a nice person. I didn't know you were a trans woman of color. 
I thought you were a woman. Uh-huh. And then I say, let's forget that. I'm accountable only to God. You account to God for who you are. We're both busy. And let's just love each other and respect each other. And most people are like, I can agree to that. So how did your transition go within the context of the black community? What was that like? I'm shunned. The day I announced I was transgender, not just from the black community, but I was a executive hanging out with um, five black guys, one Puerto Rican. And we all were making uh, almost three digits, eating lunches at each other's house, having brunch parties. Mm-hmm. We were really close in my mind as friends. Once I announced that I was a a trans woman and was taking hormones, not only did I lose my natural family, my church family, I lost my gay family. So so not only was there stigma in the church and the black community, but the black gay community back in the late 90s looked at me like you're a professional gay male black. You doing well. Why would you even think to do something like this to yourself? We think you're making a very big mistake with your life. And we as a group, we have to tell you this. And um, as time went on, that the calls came less and less. Then the invitations dropped. And mm-hmm. I was pretty much dropped from a group of, of men that I'd been friends with maybe 10 years. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so it sounds like that there's a lot of transphobia within. I mean, I, I guess we could say the black uh, community as a whole. Why do you think that is first? You know, being gay, being lesbian, there's no body transitioning. You can be gay and hide that all day. Um, When it comes to transgender, it's about gender, not sex. We're the only one in the LGBT that is specifically about gender, physical appearance, where if you're gay, you might work your body, you might get muscles, you might cut your hair, but you're not doing really major transformations visible to the public to state that I'm changing gender. And I think that's where the the phobia lies. So it, I, I think, you know, we've been put into a group um, we're partly a member of, but um, I don't date gay men. I, I, I've been married to a straight man. He he doesn't like men. In your community, was there a sense that you you were created a black man and, and you should stay that way and not try to be a woman? I mean, was there... God made you a black man in the Mm -hmm. black community as a leader. Mm -hmm. The church, the Bible says the man is is the leader of the home. A wife should submit to her husband. My mother allowed my father to be the leader. Um, They had arguments, but he was the man. She was the woman. If God wanted you to be a woman, honey, he'd have made you a woman. God don't make mistakes. How did you sort that out, though? Did you ever think, oh, well, she's got a point and... And maybe oh, I, I'm wrong. For 10 years, and, I thought, oh, my God, I'm filthy. I'm already a homosexual. I'm, I'm already already living in a world of sin. But now I'm transgender. I've taken on a whole mental aspect that now the devil's not only controlling my body, but my mind. Mm-hmm. And she says, you've just been com- completely taken over. How did you get oh, beyond God, that? It took me maybe 10, 11 years. Mm hmm. I mean, after living as a gay man, dressing as a cross-dresser, going to work as a man in the evenings, living as a woman, going to work as a man, living as a woman, working as a professional eight to six, living as a woman at night, I just got tired. I I just, my my whole self-esteem, my whole mentality just got to an ultimate low. 
And I just said one day, if I'm going to hell, I need to be happy. Uh-huh. So I just need to go all the way with who I really am and pretty much say F it and just do it. Drag queens were in the clubs at night. So here I am living as a woman in the day, looking like a drag queen, um, wearing wigs in the in the day. And they say, this is something you do at night in the dark. You damn well don't get on the metro looking like this with degrees from Wake Forest. This is my black gay friends. This is just unacceptable. You know better. We party with these people in the club at night. We damn well don't invite them to brunch in the daytime <laughs> at one of our fancier restaurants because that's just not what we do. To an educated group of people, it looks extremely crazy. Yeah, it sounds like it was very taboo within the culture that you were in. and yeah. All the black community was like, listen, it's, the, the gay thing is just coming around. We're beginning to get some traction. Gays and lesbians are still trying to get power in the late 90s, early 2000s. You're just going way too far with this stuff, honey. Yeah. I don't know any black transgenders in 1999 that was working a professional job at Starbucks or running a bank. Right. They said, what do you see this at? Blacks are working professionally. Gay blacks. We're beginning to make traction. Now you go into a group that is they have no economic power. They have no recognition. Yeah, I ran into that, too, you know, that that the lesbian and gay community would, you know, we were we were setting them back by being transgender. We were just a little too strange. And so we were somehow hurting their cause. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Why are you coming to the rally in your in in your wig? Yeah, (laughs) you look a mess. We're really trying to get things done here today. We're fighting for equality. We're raising money. This is this this is no time for for cross-dressing. Yeah. So what kinds of experiences did you have? I mean, when you were when you were dressed and you were you and trans woman of color and you were, you know, out in the day uh, living your life. Did you did you have negative experiences back in the 90s and early 2000? I mean, I held my pocketbook close on the New York subway. Mm -hmm. Uh, They would come up no matter if I sat in the back, put a uh, head on and a wig. I mean, and some glasses, sunglasses. You know, somebody would come over and oh, my God, look at this. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm working, you know, once I lost all my health insurance and I left my employer, mm-hmm. lost my apartment. I'm out on the streets with transgender women of color. They don't have high school diplomas, high rate of hepatitis and syphilis. Some even at that point have AIDS and HIV. And these are my my new family. Mm-hmm. I'm interviewing 10 times a week going in as a, a, a trans woman with the wig on. We're looking for Tony Newman from Wake Forest. Hi, my name is Tony Newman from Wake Forest. I know someone at Wake Forest and this is not the Tony Newman they told me about. Well, I'm, I'm a trans person. You're what, honey? You're transvestite? That's not appropriate here, sweetie. Now, if you want to come back dressed as the, reg- the real Tony Newman, we can have a real interview. Right. But we're not going to have an interview today with this madness that you got on here. You and I both know we're both educated folks. This is insanity here. Mm -hmm. So I leave. And after about 100 interviews, I stop and say that they're not ready for this. Mm -hmm. Nobody's ready for this. The black employer, the white employer, the brown employer. No one is ready for me. So I have to hustle and do what I have to do. Never been a street person. Never had to worry about hunger, finding a roof over my head, struggling, fighting for survival. But then I went into that mode. And here I am in my late 20s. I'm just learning 
how to how to handle the streets, how to handle being a trans person. And no one likes me except men at night who likes what I am for sexual purposes. Right. They're the only ones who would speak to me after dark. So there, there you go. Well, and, and so when did that begin to change? And I'm wondering if you feel like, because I've always said as a transgender man, it's much easier for me in the world than it is for a transgender woman. Yeah, you went from what they call the subgender to the power gender. I went from the power gender to the sub- subgender. Right. Women are considered less than. By even business executives who I do business with, they think women are less than. Some of the same people I dealt with as a man, I went back, uh, maybe a reunion at Wake Forest, and saw a professor or something. The treatment I got as Tony, even a, even an effeminate Tony, was so much better than I get as the trans Tony. Tony, do you have a relationship with your family now? <laughs> I went home for a family reunion, mm-hmm. first time in 20 years. Oh, wow. How did that go? Went lovely. Went lovely. They were like, oh, my God, you don't look as crazy as you did when we saw you 20 (laughs) years ago. I'm more happy. I'm less nervous. I'm more confident. I exude that. And people respond to that. Yes. 20 years ago, I felt inferior. I felt shame. I felt fighting with God, fighting with them, arguing. Mm -hmm. None of that occurred. I came in very happy. I came in with a black male who's very happy. It was a beautiful five days. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, beautiful I've, that's I love that. I'm so happy that that uh, that it went the way it did. That's fantastic. It went great. It went yeah. great. That was Tony Newman. Her book is called "I Rise: The Transformation of Tony Newman." More in a minute. This is Trans in the Eyes of God, a special series from Inspired. Hi, friends. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. I don't know if you know this, but we are on the air all the way from Richmond, Virginia to Ketchikan, Alaska, and in so many places in between. We're a national show, and we are a small and mighty team committed to bringing you stories and sounds from around the world that convey not only the diversity and the pluralism of our country, but the beliefs that are shaping our world, our politics, our culture, and the ideas that sustain us and inspire us to think about where we are going. And that brings me to this question. If you value us, if you enjoy listening and appreciate what you're hearing, I want to ask you to take a moment to consider becoming a sustaining member of Interfaith Voices or make a one-time donation at interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. That's interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. (laughs) 